Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And there she is, our loyal friend who announces us every single time we come every to single time she's there. Blog Talk Radio. It's nice to have reliable, isn't it, Richard Flint? Mm-hmm. Yes. So this is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, and my co-host, Richard Flint. And we are here together. It's called Tuesday Talks with Richard Flint. I want to read you, Richard, what it is I wrote up for us today. When smart people, actually, I didn't write this up. Our PR people wrote this up. (laughs) When smart people with positive intentions that are healthy for all and harmful to none come together to share discernment, it gets very interesting. 2020 is a very odd and unusually dangerous time here in the USA like never before. A virus that has frightened people beyond belief civil unrest that has destroyed major cities across the country has left some feeling empowered and others feeling bereft at first and now angry and fighting back. Love for America and the greatness it has long represented to the world has a healthy opportunity to thrive through the challenges. All that being stated, however, this is not an easy course. Dealing with worries, anxiety, depression, and uncertainty Americans are suffering. What Dr. Richard Flint and Dr. Deb Carlin have been guiding, teaching, leading, and strategizing with people for the betterment of decades is what we feature here. So tune in, listen, and God help us feel better. <laughs> Good morning, Richard. Hey, and I think I think the last part of that, Deb, is so important um, because. I think that we we got to get to being better. Yes, we do. I mean, uh, it's been real interesting because my webinar last Thursday was on depression. Yes, it was. I was there. And uh, the response that I've had to that, you know, just telling me, uh, people sharing with me, you know, just how they've lost their motivation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that worries me is that, we're becoming an unhappy society. Very much so. And I think that, and I know we keep coming back to this today, but I don't think there's any way we can get away from this. I think we're right now we're being programmed to be unhappy. We are. Absolutely. I, I am, you're right. We can't get away from that. We can't stop talking about it, focusing on it, drawing attention to it. Because, you know, when something's knocking at your door, they're just going to keep knocking. you got to figure out how you're going to answer the door. Well, if you're sitting sitting at a a restaurant trying to just have a meal. Oh, my gosh. And all of a sudden, the turn of people just descend on you. I I didn't know about that until I turned on the news this morning. And with this both inside and outside dining, it starts with the outside dining, these mobs coming up, and I mean, you're sitting down, they're standing up, 
They're grabbing your water. They're screaming at you. They're grabbing your food. They're saying, say the name, do what we want, you know, do the fist. Wow. Yeah. And if I was there, Deb, I, I think my instinct would take over and I'd take my glass of water and I'd throw it in their face. And just tell them, you have no right to invade my space. Uh, and I didn't ask you here. And I'm politely asking you to leave. Well, let me tell you something. I, I, I worry about that, Richard. And I'll tell you why. Because throwing the glass of water, I would want to do that too. I'd want to hit them over the head with a plate. I'd want to dip the table on them. I'd want to do all kinds of things. But when we have a mob mentality, here's one of the things that's also been on the news that's very disturbing. We have people who are standing by and watching. I saw I saw a gang of people come behind a woman, a young mother with her baby in a, a pumpkin seat stroller, knock her down next to a car. She falls, hits her head on the on the ground like right next to a curb in a in a car. The baby falls over. Nobody knows what's happened to the baby. They go on, they knock over a woman in her seventies to steal her purse. And there are people standing there, just standing there. Excuse me, why don't we all start screaming and picking things up and throwing them? I'll tell you why. Because we're afraid that these idiots, excuse me, these idiots, these raging, angry, hateful people are going to shoot us, stab us, beat us up, kick us to the ground and kick us to near death or death and then run away. And and nobody's going to stop them. And if the police catch them, the district attorneys won't prosecute them. Here's one of my uh, two questions to you for today. <laughs> yes. Question number one. Yes. Where can you go in your life right now and find stability? For how long? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good response. Uh, but a place, uh, a place that you would feel comfortable staying where there is stability. Right where I'm sitting right now, in an undisclosed location, so to speak, where I've got nature surrounding me, and I am well insulated in terms of security. And and what's sad about that is I would like to go out and about, and and I, I hate to admit this, but I increasingly feel pinched. So... If you feel trapped, which is what I hear you saying, yeah, how can that be stability? Well, uh, because it's home and it's comforting, and I, I, I know I have security and isolation and insulation here. Um, in terms of stability, you know, stability, um, you know, long-term, stable, you know, there's not rockets happening here. There's calm here. But I don't know that there is any such place right now in the United States of America where that exists. See, I agree with you there. And that's one of the things that I, that I find with people today is that the stability in their life that they've had in their life, mm-hmm. and for many, uh, the stability they thought they had was an illusion. Yeah. Okay? But whether it was real or an illusion, that stability today is uh, 
being challenged. Very, very compromised. 100%. You're right about that. And what happens to the human psyche when we take away? Is that your second question? No, that's a, a that's an addendum to the first question. <laughs> okay. So, <clears throat> you want me to answer that or that was rhetorical? No, that's a question out there for you to answer. So, what happens is that people get concerned and then you you know, you have had this incredible way of presenting this. I put a little bit of my own spin on it, but I love the way that you inspired this for me. It starts out, you know, at like base level, you have a thought, it elevates a step or two, you get concern, goes up another couple of steps if you don't get resolution and clarity about what to do with it, and we call it worry, and goes a little bit further, and your mind starts racing a little bit faster through the story, and before you know it, you're feeling anxious, which means you've run through that story to a negative ending, and your anxiety is really high, you feel uncomfortable in your head. You feel uncomfortable in your own body. And then you get really concerned and you start thinking, uh-oh, this is hopeless. I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't survive like this. My heart is racing. My mind is racing. I feel uncomfortable. I don't know where to go. I'm in my head. I, I can't get out of here. To elevation at depression and despair. And that's the worst. The worst. Okay. Uh, addendum number two to question one. Yes. At what point do you give up? Well, I just went through a long dialogue with someone who I really admire this morning over text messaging, which, I, you know, everybody, at least that I'm close to, is becoming longer in their text messaging capacity and, and, and not using acronyms, but really doing full-out sentences. We used to use texting for short and quick. Now, people don't necessarily want to be on the phone. It's too intense. It's one more thing. Don't want to do emails because our inboxes are flooded with all kinds of stuff. And so I'm having these long threads of texting messages. And what the person was telling me is how desperate and horrible and awful this is. And I need to turn my attention away from the fairy dust and the niceties. And start talking about the core issues. And, I, and my, my comeback is, and this is a straight answer with a little bit of inclusionary information. My answer is, look, I can talk about all that, but my job is also to infuse people with a way to survive so that their, their blood pressure doesn't become or, or maintain a hypertension so that they're not having chest pains and having coronary events. This is drop-dead serious stuff in times. So if I bring everything up that you're talking about, then people are going to land in the same situation that you're in, which is high tension, very sleepless nights. And, you know, I love and respect you very much and honor our relationship, but I need my optimism. And, by the way, if I don't have that optimism and I lose hope, then why would I take the next breath? Other than that I'm a Catholic and a practicing faith-filled person, and I don't want to take my life, I'm a chicken in the first place, and secondly, I want to die and go to heaven. And I think if I would take my life, I'd die and go to hell, and I'm terrified to go there. This is scary enough. 
So I want hope. I want faith. I love life. I can't give up hope. I can't. And I teeter on that sometimes. Right. Would you agree with my philosophy? And if you don't agree, it's okay. You can be wrong. But would you agree <laughs> with my philosophy that uh, all behavior? Sorry, I can't get it. Uh, <laughs> that all behavior has an agenda. Hang on one second. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm on with yeah. <laughs> Would you agree that all behavior has an agenda? Absolutely. So, do you think that uh, there is a, with everything showing up, there is a stated agenda? Yes, there is. Which is the cause, Black right. Lives Matter. Right. There is a hidden agenda, you bet. which is destroy the human spirit. Yeah. Yes. And, and I, I think what's happening is that uh, in the beginning, it was about Black Lives Matters. Mm-hmm. But that has become a mask hit yes, for the real agenda that is being supported uh, by the media. It's being supported by mayors and governors, it's been supported. It's been supported on several different fronts. I'm watching even companies and corporations today yeah. that are buying in for Pepsi to give a hundred million dollars to what? Black Lives Matters. What? One hundred million dollars they gave to Black Lives Matters. Don't they understand what they're gonna do with that money? It's political. And then all these commercials on TV, you know, uh, and all of this that's going on right now, um, I mean, it's just, it's all about, I think, breaking the will of people. Yes, it is. And you use the word, because I think if you break the will of a human, you take away a component that is one of the biggest optimistic points of life, and that's hope. And I don't hear a lot of hope out there right now um, with people. I think we're laying a foundation that's very dangerous because when we give in, we support. When we don't address, we support. Goes back to my thought. Anything you don't confront, you validate. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what our listening audience is. You know, I don't know where it comes from. But I would say this to anybody that's listening to this: if you're struggling with hope, if you'll reach out uh, to me, Richard at RichardFlint.com, I'll send you a little, a new little MP3 I've done on strengthening your hope. And it's it's how to keep hope strong in the midst of all of this that's happening. Because if you take away my hope, you take away my my positive, my optimistic spirit. And I think that's an underlying agenda. And when fear increases, hope diminishes. Well, you know, I invite our listening audience to tune in to both of us. I think that people need to tune into our our, our shows that we do, into your website, into my website, into our social media platforms, because 
we are working hard to address these issues. And and I I want I want a copy of that MP3 for sure. And so where would people go exactly to get that? To your website? Just just email me, Richard RichardFlint.com, and just tell me I'd like to have a copy of your MP3 on hope. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it, here, it's all about the steps yeah. to keep hope alive. Exquisite. Because I'm wor- I'm worried, Deb. I'm worried is not part of the word. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm concerned that's moving and it's slowly moving to worry that the louder these voices become, the more damage they're doing to the human spirit. And when we get to the other side of this, whenever that is, I think it's going to take a lot of effort to rebuild the faith and and the hope and the optimism. Because this minority that's been given this huge voice has an agenda. And no one's talking about that agenda. Everybody's talking about what they're doing. But behind all action is an agenda. Let's talk about the agenda, because I think I'm pretty clear on what the agenda is. Share with me. What's the agenda? The agenda is to get rid of all Caucasians. The agenda is to annihilate all white people. The hatred towards us is unrelenting, completely obvious, and absolutely heartbreaking. The other part of the agenda in the midst of that is this, this ideal that the, you know, I'm going to get political, that the Democratic Party is somehow the Democratic Party that you and I grew up with that was about liberal when liberal meant open-mindedness, when it was an invitation to have people be able to speak freely and have a sharing exchange of ideas. It isn't that anymore. It is a staunch belief. You either listen to what I have to say, and you believe it, and you endorse me, or you're, and then they call you a bunch of names. Now, I'm going to tell you what. I'm not a racist. I never have been. I am not unempathic, and I never have been, and I've never been dispassionate or lacking in love and kindness. And I I don't appreciate the discrimination against me because I'm a white woman because I'm a white person, because I'm a white woman American, (laughs) my heart's been broken. I've had to struggle. I've had financial ups and downs. I've had, I've had heartbreak and illness and disappointment and had, and I've been bullied. So do we have to keep score and see how deep that runs in order for people to be loved? We're all supposed to love our brethren like we love ourselves. So in the midst of this, The annihilation of the white race is one agenda. The other part of it is this democratic movement on the far extreme left. And you don't even have to believe that you're far extreme. You just announce that you're a Democrat. And then I've had people say to me, well, you know, I don't know why you're against socialism. Socialism is just about social justice, civil justice, and and, uh, social services. And I I look bewildered. You know, what country did you grow up in? Because this is the United States of America. Be partyless, not Republican, not Democratic. 
Let's talk about the values of the United States of America. Why are we known as the greatest country on the, uh, on the face of the earth? Well, because when anybody's in trouble, we go to their aid because we believe in social services and compassion and lending a helping hand in health, education, in, in war, in, in rescuing people from the riots that we now are enduring here on the homeland ground in the United States of America. So the agenda is for socialism, which will, you've got to crack the people. And this is just like when you go back in history, crack the people, isolate them, insulate them, scare them, get them to be obedient, see how far you can stretch it, and then we can impose our political on them. We'll become socialists. You won't own any of your own private property anymore. We will impose everything. And you're not going to resist. You're not going to fight us. That's also called communism. Now, people have been critical of me on social media saying, I don't know the definition of anything. Let me just tell you, if you want to play wordsmithing, why don't you wait until we're taken over and we're all sharing our homes with 11 people who we don't know? Then you have time for all that. Think I'm a little fired up? Well, I think it goes back, and we talked about this in our last show, uh, it goes back to the words of Ron Emanuel's brother. Uh, the American people are just plain stupid. A percentage and, of them. Yeah, and but the challenge is that the, that small percentage, and I think in the big scheme, this is a small percentage. I agree. You know, a lot of a lot of African Americans, a lot of Black people, do not agree with what's going on out there. I know, and and when they when they have the audacity to disagree. They're called names. They're bullied. It's unbelievable the unrelenting bullying that's taking place. I mean, Candace Owens is a perfect example. She is a lovely young black woman with an incredible voice. And she is speaking on behalf of her race as a person of her race. And she is completely annihilated by her own. I don't understand that. And there's all kinds of examples of that. There's people from Hollywood. There's people in, in, in positions of prominence. And they get beat up when they speak out about the unreasonability of a, of a minority. Now, let me tell you where I do get hope, Richard. I do get hope when, like this morning, I'm watching the news, and I'm seeing that there are more and more people who are coming out and saying, including on the news, this is disgusting, and this has got to stop. It is amazing how now all of a sudden uh, Biden has changed his tone. From violence doesn't exist. We're not talking about it at the Democratic National Party. We're not talking about it at our convention. But now all of a sudden it exists. But it's because of Corona and it's because of um, President Donald Trump. So, oh, I see. You know, Everything, everything that is controversial right now in this country has been created by Donald Trump. That's the, that's the verbiage. Yeah, and that he started the virus. Right. It didn't you know, come from and, China. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's, what was the, uh, what was the line from Forrest Gump? Mama said stupid is as stupid does. There you go. And 
you said something that's really important. I want to go back because I want you to restate it. Okay. Uh, socialism. And you said that most people don't, don't understand socialism, that they see it as social injustice. What else did you say? They see it as a, a lack of a belief in social services. You know, it's, it's, you know, all socialism is, and here's what people write to me on, on, on social media platforms. Say, Deb, I can't believe that you're against, first of all, what's the matter with socialism? Because all I'm talking about is social justice, social civil rights, uh, social services. And, you know, so are you, are excuse me, am I opposed to social services? Are you insane to ask me that question as a doctor of human psyche, human health, of psychology? You think I don't believe in providing for human beings? My whole study, like yours, is on the human condition. So, of course, I believe in taking care of people. I also believe in capitalism. And excuse me, don't talk to me from your home. Don't talk to me from your office, on your mobile phone with your clothing on, in your nice car. Don't talk to me about your disbelief and unembracing of capitalism when you have earned and you get to keep what you earn and you speak from that platform. That's capitalism. You get to earn as much as you want and you get to keep it and decide what to do with it. If you, if you don't like capitalism, then move to a socialistic republic. Oh, they're not going to do that because they would have to give up so much. Don't think that's what that's what a lot of these these young people don't understand. If you go to socialism, what you have really enjoyed, or what you enjoy is freedom, is going to be taken away from you. They aren't looking at the difference between socialism and capitalism. So here I am, right on Google right now, and they've got their columns. You can look at it in graph form or sentence form. Capitalism is based on individual initiative and favors market mechanisms over government intervention, while socialism is based on government planning and limitations on private control of resources. What do you want, folks? I don't want the government telling me that I can't own my home or my car or my clothes or my stocks or my investments or my belongings, or my career. Or that they can go into your bank account and take anything that they want out of it. That's right. Or if someone comes and knocks at your door and says, I'm moving in with you, you don't have the right to say no. I mean, I don't believe that a lot of the politicians really believe with the agenda of Pelosi, Bernie Sanders, and some of these far-out people uh, with AOC and her little group. The squad. Uh, But they're fearful to speak up. I know. I mean, the control that Nancy Pelosi has over the Democratic Congress right now is frightening. Huge. Because you don't vote against her. You vote against her. And she'll have a voodoo doll made of you within an hour. Well, look what's and happened her- to her hair salon. 
Instagram this morning in video on TV of her hair, her, the salon owner's home in San Francisco, surrounded by mobs who are hanging blow dryers and curling irons in the trees and bushes and chanting horrible things. She, somebody came up with a GoFundMe account. People have donated over $300,000 to that woman to help her move. She has closed down her salon. She is moving and protecting her family to another city. Now, how insane is that? Excuse me, Nancy Pelosi. Why don't you step up and say, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you, folks. We're all under a lot of stress. We're all saying things that we don't necessarily mean. It's really time for us to make peace and come together. I, I really, I used to think that she was kind of a pretty lady, and I would listen to her every now and again, and I thought that some of the things that she said made sense. But I've been watching her this past year, and I'm thinking to myself, what in the world has happened to this woman? This is a woman who really does have every phenomenal opportunity and privilege, and I don't chide her for that. But don't deny that you do. And just come out and be accountable when you're wrong. You've ruined a life. Yeah, and for her to say, I was set up. How in the world was she set up? Somebody it, 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 forced her to make the appointment? Forced her to show show up there? Forced her Take to do what she did? Yeah. yeah. I don't get it. Well, I think it goes back to so many of these people who really believe that most people are cowards and that they will they will uh, they will stand for anything and that they don't have a backbone. Well, I think that this hair salon owner is going to get into trouble when she hires a moving company, and that moving company has great trouble trying to get her loaded into the moving van without disruption, and I think she's going to be followed out of town, and I hope that she has a brigade of people who are going to protect her because it's that kind of scary. You know, let me tell you what, though, Richard. You know, you and I have come together to want to raise awareness and get people to take action. The action to take is to speak out and to stop hiding about what it is that's really happening here and to try to really open up people's minds and and to get people to listen and to think critically. And you and I have done that for for weeks on, on the programs that we've been doing and the, the additional things that we're talking about wanting to do. And you've got events going on and I've got other shows that I'm broadcasting on, but you know, here's the bottom line. It's a good sign that that salon owner has $300,000 donated to her. Boom. Like that. Mm-hmm. That means that there's a groundswell of people who are saying, Hey, this is so wrong. This has got to be stopped. And, and I, there's groundswells for that kind of thing all over the place. And we better start really making it clear. How do we stop, how do we stop it? I mean, we've given it the right to go on. We're, we're feeding it fuel. The, the media is just dumping more and more fuel on it. And every time something happens, they turn it around and take it back to, you know, we wouldn't have these riots if, if Donald Trump wasn't a racist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yet you, you look and, um, you know, I used for a long time, you would have called me an independent politically. Yeah. Because 
associate with a party. Me too. I looked at I looked at the people. Yeah. And I I looked at what I could learn about them, yeah. and I based my decision on what I felt from in my heart right. would be the job that they would do for improving our country. Yeah. And I tell you what, I'm so far away from that today because what I see is I see, and I'm sorry, but I see good and evil at war. I do too. And you know, what's really sad. I, I liked voting a, an independent party ticket where I could vote both sides of the aisle. I don't think it should. I've never thought before that it should be all one side or the other. You know, the problem is, is that people are being bullied and captured and it's just so flat out wrong. The bullying has got to stop. Now, what can we do? Okay. I think that what we have to do is we have to mobilize our audiences. We have to mobilize ourselves. We're trying to get people into a mindset so that they have the perspective of hope and and you're going to sell, I mean, you're going to provide your tips to people. I would like for you to give a uh, a brief about that so people don't have to wait. They can get that right here in our show and then also additionally connect with you. But then here's the other part of it. I think that we have got to contact. I've been, I have been contacting our congressional leaders and saying, I'm, I am begging you to stop. I am pleading with you to stop. This is America. I am a citizen and I am asking you to behave and to stop the bullying and stop the violence and we are never going to be able to recover the cities that have been destroyed. Michigan Avenue in Chicago is never coming back. Kenosha, Wisconsin, where we've seen 100-plus-year-old buildings as rubble burning, is never going to come back. You can't replace 100 years. Stop it. Stop it. I, I don't know what it means because I didn't dial into the news today, but what I heard was that President Trump is, is, is intervening now in Portland and intervening in Seattle. I don't know if it's a rumor by the media or if there's some action that's actually going to be literally taken. But, you know, our country, the very first morning that I went down in Chicago to downtown Chicago to see it at the very first riot, I thought I was in Beirut, not the United States of America, on the magnificent mile. I think we have to absolutely contact our congressional leaders and say, this has got to stop. We are all afraid to go out and, and protest anywhere for fear that we'll be killed by Black Lives Matter and Antifa. I am. I'm not going to set myself up. Although I will tell you, there was, a, there was a, a video clip that I got sent of a riot not far from where I'm residing right now. And I, I called the local police and asked them what was going on. They said, well, it was peaceful. And that people weren't being allowed into the streets. And I said, well, I thank you, but I have a video that somebody on a bicycle that just sent me. And you might be the dispatcher, but you need to be contacting your guys on the, on the street because they are on the street with their, their bullhorns. And, you know, I drove up in that direction within the hour. The whole thing had been dispersed. There wasn't a piece of litter. There wasn't a trace of anything. The police were enabled to do their job and mobilized, and they dispersed it without violence. They dispersed it without incident. They dispersed it, and they needed to. 
But how do you how do you calm Portland when they've had over a hundred nights of permission to destroy, loot, rob, kill? How do you how do you disperse that? Well, maybe now that they have turned on the mayor there, maybe now he is going to allow the federal government to step in. And President Trump has said, all I need you to do, according to the law, it's not an ego statement, but according to the law, I need you to give me permission to come in. Give me permission to come in. We'll take care of it within the hour. That's what needs to happen. In each and every community where this is going on, call in the help that we need. Arrest people. Do not give them bail. And replace all the district attorneys who aren't willing to keep the doors shut. I mean, you can't arrest people and then turn them loose or arrest people and then, excuse me, are you kidding me? Our, our, our running mate for presidency in the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, is actually, I mean, is it true? Did he really do a fundraiser? Did he really bail people out of jail when they were arrested after these riots? Well, they said Kamala Harris, she did that. She put together a fund to bail these people out. Well, uh, yeah. but how, do you, how do you do this when you've got, like in Portland, they show it, these people walking down the street carrying guns. And, know. you know, I, I think that uh, Antifa is a terrorist organization. It's been declared that. I think you, I think you go in and you take them down. Because once you grant people the right to bully, you grant them the right to do anything they want, and they feel they have that power, you have to match power with power. You do. If somebody pulls a gun on you, you've got to have the same weaponry to be able to address it. Well, let's back it up a little bit further, Richard. What is the origin of all this? People want to blame Donald Trump for this, President Donald Trump. And by the way, I don't want to refer to anybody in, in, a, in a casual or disrespectful manager. So Joe Biden, you know, I'm sorry that I ever call him by his last name only. And President Trump, I will not just call him Trump. But these people, these important people in our culture, in our government, President Trump has made more business deals on behalf of the United States of America. He has made peace happen in places of the world, in the Middle East, for instance, where nobody's been able to do it before. He's been able to take action with North Korea, even though I don't like it that he does it. He calls the leader there, you know, little rocket man or whatever he calls him. I think he should address him by his name. Everyone should be known by their name. The leader of China and him have met, I guess, repeatedly and had ongoing communications. And still, President Trump is willing to say, I heard him this morning say, and maybe it was a recording from yesterday or over the weekend, we, are we going to lose billions of dollars of, of, of revenue or are we going to save billions of dollars of revenue? He wants to bring all the business back from China. Are we going to pay more for our goods? 
Yes. Are we going to support America? We better. And then when companies want to outsource their jobs to China, he's saying, we can't do that. I agree. We cannot do that. So what is the penalty for our president when he has been talking about this since before the coronavirus? And then really seriously, people think that this might be just a coincidence that the coronavirus starts in in China and it lands here. What kind of coincidence is that? And, and excuse me, I want to thread one more little thing in here, and I want you to tie this basket together for me. I heard Kamala Harris say, when she was asked, would you get the vaccine? If President Trump really pushes things along and, and comes up with this vaccine, she took it literal. Like he's holding two beakers, and he's in the laboratory, he's wearing a lab coat, and he's the scientist. And she said, I would not, no, I wouldn't trust it. I want it to come from science. Well, who do you, I mean, do you think he's doing his kitchen? Where do you think it's coming from? But she is telling the American public and the world, if it comes out under his watch, don't take it. Why is that? Because maybe it'll just be an inoculation and it won't be a chip that gets implanted with a tattoo. Hold it off until you're in, you're in leadership. This is a massive movement by China in collusion with people who are not very much behind the curtain anymore, who want one world order, one world government, complete control, complete, I don't care what you call it, socialism, communism. In my book, it's all the same. It's a dictatorship. And America, the United States of America, doesn't exist anymore. Well, the United States is the, is the one cog in this master plan for world domination. And what they see, and I agree with you, I think that there is a, there is a consortium out there behind the scenes that wants to create a one world. That one world then is, is created, defined, and driven by a group of very, very powerful people who exist right now. Yeah. And, you know, I said right after the, uh, the virus came out that I thought this was a biological weapon yeah. that China released. I agree. And they're ugly enough in their behavior to not care about how many people it killed, how many people it affected. But it was their way of stopping this this look at who China really is, yeah. and you know to to take the focus off of them and the backlash uh, that President Trump got when he started calling this the China virus, uh, uh, and you can't tell me that that virus got out accidentally. And the doctor who was willing to speak up to this disappeared. There's no trace of it uh, anywhere. People don't believe this. People have an impossible time believing it. But, you know, assassinations and disappearances happen all the time through history. I remember, remember the Karen Silkwood story 
decades ago, she did an expose on a nuclear power plant and missing uranium. It became a movie, a Karen Silkwood story. She was carrying private papers and driving through the desert at night, and she mysteriously disappears. Really? Car crash or she was killed or something. The details of it escaped me, but here's the point. Whistleblowers, people who speak out, uh, pay a penalty for that. I I feel very uh, committed to what we're saying and doing and talking about because we love our country and we're all about the love and the humanity and the value of it and the United States of America. Nobody has to be a loser here. This is about America winning. This is about everybody who's out there with Black Lives Matter actually winning, not losing. If all those people who are being paid to protest think that they're going to get a golden, a golden parachute on the backside of the elections, on the backside of all this activity, they're going to be sadly mistaken, just like the mayor of Minneapolis was. The people who are paying you are not your friends. My brethren, we're Americans and we need to be in this together. There is not a pervasive systemic racism against black people in our culture. God bless you. And I, I, am, I am saddened for every one of us who have felt pinched, harassed, bullied. I defy anybody to tell me that everybody hasn't gone through that. Are the proportions disproportionate? The worst proportion of all is black on black crime. And we need to create a loving, more gentle culture and community. We've talked about what we think the solutions are on these programs that we do. And we need to implement that. We are wasting precious time with these riots that we have. I've watched BLM walk into black neighborhoods, and the black neighbors are out there standing saying with their bullhorns, get off of our neighborhood streets. Go back to your own neighborhood because we don't want your violence here. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, but, you know, it's – there is an enemy out there. And that enemy today – and I think the biggest enemy in all of this – and um, I believe this from the depths of my heart, Deb, the biggest enemy out there today is the people who are writing the scripts that the talking heads are talking about on TV. I know. I mean, you, I, I go through, I, I go on uh, AOL in the morning, and I'll, I'll walk through all of the stories. I don't read them. I just go there and read the captions. And the stories that are there, that they're blaming President Trump for everything. You know, I got gum on the bottom of my shoe. It's his fault. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and, and again, I sat here and I think, how stupid do you think people are? You want me to tell you how stupid people are? I saw a post, I, I saw a post this morning. You know, these are people that I know, love, and trust. Considered them really family, and there is a post of Kamala Harris holding up a sign that says, 
is it Kamala Harris? An immigrant took my job. I didn't really get it. It seemed like it was more like a slam against Melania Trump. So, you know, she's not going to be the first lady. So, I mean, maybe I looked at it wrong or something. But so are we really going to slam the first lady? Are we really going to slam the first lady for being an immigrant when I thought we welcomed immigrants? We're all immigrants here. Unless you're historically a Native American, you are an immigrant here. And I thought we rejoiced immigrants. I thought actually even people wanted illegal immigrants here. I would like every immigrant here to be legal and welcomed, but not illegally given an unfair advantage over everybody else. But, you know, from the Republican National uh, Convention, Melania is wearing a lime green dress. Beautiful. Very fashionable. And people made fun of her and said it was a green screen and imprinted all kinds of disgusting things onto her dress and posted it through Photoshop. And I thought, you know, there's only so much, there's only so much that people can bear. This is called bullying, ladies and gentlemen. Are we not at all concerned about the children who are witnessing this? Haven't we been talking for decades about bringing bullying to a halt? I mean, I've created anti-bullying routines campaigns and programs for schools and neighborhoods. Do we really need it now in Congress? Yeah. Let me let me put my second question out there because we got eleven minutes left. Oh I realize this is going so fast. Hey. But it was my second question up today. All right. It's one I've been really working on this morning. Okay. How would you in one statement Define what this year has meant to you. How would, if you had to come up with a, a capsule statement about what this year has meant to you, or what is this year doing to you, how would you do it? What would be your statement? <laughs> you little bugger, you. <laughs> <laughs> Have I told you lately how much I treasure you? <laughs> okay, what well, would my one statement be? I'll tell you. I'll tell you mine. Please. My year, this year for me, is the year that my faith is being tested. Because I think this whole year for for me has been a year um, that I've had to sort of look deep inside and re reshape and rethink who am I? You know, what do I need to be doing with my life right now? And why am I feeling so out of sync at this moment? And I keep coming back to it, to the thought that life is always testing us. And that I believe that testing is good. But I also believe that the testing of who we are will never stop. But in my
my lifetime, for me, this is the biggest test that I've, I've faced. Okay. And so for me, this is the year where my faith is being tested. Okay. My answer is a little bit different, and I, I'm glad that um, I diverted so you would go first. <laughs> I figured that out. That's why I went first. <laughs> The cooperation that's unstated is amazing. This year for me has been one of such deep reflection about what it is that God wants me to do. And I believe that he keeps introducing me to the people who I've invited in, you included, to be so tightly aligned with. Because the healing that we are called to do for the masses who have been suffering, including white people, all people, all of America has been called for for a long time. We grew up in an era that was kinder, gentler, sweeter, and we know about it. And it's our duty to try to introduce it to people and to help heal people and then to do all the things. I've been wanting my institute for authentic, holistic well-being for as long as I can remember. And I am more dedicated to it now than I ever have before. And I won't, I won't turn anybody away from having the healing experience. I may put conditions on how they have access, but I want people to get healed. I think everybody who is outrageous, I think the people who are behind the one world order need a tremendous amount of healing. They're hurt. They're in a bad place. You don't become, you don't become that nefarious without having a lot of icky things happen to you. You've taken really wrong turns. I believe my faith is unshakable, unshakable, can't shake it. But I, I want to I dive in. I, I, I'm, I'm involved in a couple of things right now that I'm so excited for them to solidify because I want to be able to talk about them and implement them for healing for our entire country, our country first, and then our world. And, and I'm not in it alone. I'm in it with other people, but this has got to happen. The peace. The healing that people need in every way that we've talked about on today's episode and on every time that we've gotten together, there is opportunity for it. And I think we have had to go through chaos. So we're living in the contrast of what we want to experience. When you're living in the contrast, when you're in hell, you want to get to heaven. How do you get there? Not like that. It's a process. And I think we're on the way. That's what I think. I think we're on our way to more peaceful, to betterment, to goodness, to the best we've ever known, to more abundance in terms of healthy than we've ever known before. And if I don't believe that, then I'm in despair. So I have to believe that. You know, that one of the things that I've been thinking about is that in this whole, this whole picture that we're living in today and the um, the black lives talking about being persecuted. Long before they were persecuted, we persecuted the American Indian. Yeah, big time. So I, I guess uh, the black lives persecution is more important than what we did to the American Indian and what we did whenever we came in and superimposed our rights on them. And took away their culture. 
And what I see happening today, and this is something you said earlier, I think that there is an element in the Black Life Matters that wants to take away our culture. A hundred percent. And this is why they're wanting all these statues to disappear. Yep. And it's it's why they're wanting me to feel like I'm wrong. Yeah, that's right. A hundred percent. It comes back to what happens if you destroy the human spirit. You know, and, and so two things real quick for me. Um, if you'd like to have a copy of this little MP3 on strengthening your hope, if you'll just send me an email to richard at richardflint.com, I just need your name and your email address. I will have my staff send it to you. It's an hour long MP3, but it talks about the six steps to strengthen your hope in the midst of everything we're facing today. And then the other thing is, and it's on the it's on my website richardflint.com is our second part in the series on motivation and depression, which is actually going to be, uh, pull up here real quick, it's going to be October uh, the 1st. It's very good. Very good content. And we're going to talk about how, if you're not motivated, you're depressed. So what do I, and and not clinical depression. Right. But personal depression. Yeah. So, you know, two things from me. Uh, and I'd love to send you a little MP3 on, on strengthening, uh, strengthening your hope. I love that. And I'll make sure you get a copy. Oh, I was just going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so in addition to that, you know, Richard Flint has a website. I have a website. I have two websites, actually, and you can get to one from the other, drdebcarlin.com and also Build the Strength Within. And... There are resources there, an online program for building your inner strength. You put Richard Flint and I in the same room together, same event together, same broadcast together, and I hope you feel like you get value. We lift your spirits. Uh, You certainly got my blood pressure going today. Well, it all goes back to something in last week when you, the last time we were together, you put out two words. Uh, that have just captured me, and I, I keep going back to them, and that's the human condition. The human condition. And what is the state of the human condition today? So stick with me. I'm going to close this out here. Friends, this is your host and host, Richard Flint and Dr. Deb Carlin, signing out for today, or as I love to refer to him as Sir Richard Flint. <clears throat> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.